Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we've got on a long-awaited guest. He is one of the most inspirational young men out there. What this man is doing in the world and what he's contributing is incredible, and I'm really excited to see where it all goes. And this man has a bright future, so make sure you remember his name. And this is the one and only King Randall. Welcome to the show, man. And I appreciate you, Zuby. How you doing? Always doing well, bro. Always doing well. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing excellent. I'm just glad to be here. Finally, was able to make this happen. So I just look at the hours. <laughs> Fantastic, man. So I've done a real brief intro there. But for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Well, my name is King Randall. I'm the founder of the X for Boys program and life preparatory school in the city of Albany, Georgia. I began the program, the X for Boys, at age 19 in 2019. Uh, we're Albany, Georgia, USA, by the way. Um, so I started this program simply because a lot of the young men in our community are underserved. Um, a lot of them don't have any outlets. We don't have any rehabilitation programs for juvenile offenders in the city of Albany. And the crime is skyrocketing. We don't have many policemen. Um, and that's what was happening. And what really got me was one of my classmates um, at the time was sentenced to 30 years in jail um, for hiding a weapon that was used in a murder, even though he wasn't there. Um, so my thing was just saying, you know, some of these youth detention centers are kind of just incubating, you know, better criminals. I, I, I would say they're just getting them used to jail and getting them used to prison, you know, and um, then no no type of rehab or no type of uh, no intervention there. So I began the ex-boys program and I started teaching young men how to work on cars, work on houses, um, like how to change brakes and oil, how to paint houses, uh, how to do sheetrock, how to change toilets, whatever. We've done so many things teaching them how to weld, et cetera. Um, but what really got me was I started doing a summer camp out of my home um, when I was when I was 19. I had 20 boys come to my house every day and I would teach them every day. I had a small dry erase board on my wall. And while I was teaching them, I realized, you know, when we started reading that many of them couldn't read. And I was wondering why so many of them couldn't read. And they're all in different grades. Um, I had a sixth grader who couldn't read at all at 12th graders reading like they're in third grade. I mean, it was insane. And um, at that point, um, that's where I got the idea to start our school. And I told them, you know, at the time, right in my dining room, I was like, listen, I don't know how we're going to do it. But, you know, we're going to try to make it happen one day. I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but we gonna have a little faith and make it happen. And um, maybe that following year. Um, I was, you know, on Twitter, um, had just got on Twitter and started, you know, sharing some of the things that we were doing because people told me I should start putting stuff out on social media. And um, I think it was one day um, I posted about me and the boys doing some sheetrock online and um, it went viral online. Me, and, me teaching the boys how to, you know, do some sheetrock. And from there, you know, we kind of skyrocketed. People were asking us to make GoFundMe. Uh, so we made a GoFundMe for our school and we raised like $20,000 like the first week. Um, and this was, you know, mind blowing to me because I had only been able to support the program from cutting hair and fixing cars and things like that. I didn't have a job. Um, so I was literally trying my hardest to, to feed these kids. At that time, they were living with me because of COVID. So I actually had six kids come live with me um, during that 2020 summer because I couldn't have them coming in and out because I didn't know what was going on as far as the virus. Um, so they came to live at my house. I put some bunk beds in my living room and I made it happen. Um, and like every day of that summer, we went to the farm. Um, I taught them all those same things, riding horses, firearms training, um, you name it. We did all those things with the boys. Um, it was a great experience um, for them and for people around the country to start seeing what we were doing. Um, then we went to the White House with um, Brandon Tatum and Candace Owens um, back in, I think I was, that was October of that year. 
And um, that was a beautiful experience. That was, that was the boys' first flight anywhere. Um, and some of our boys in the city of Albany never get a chance to travel anywhere. They always end up staying inside the city, and it, and it hurts them because they haven't experienced life. So we've flown them all over the country. We've been to San Diego, Los Angeles, Brooklyn, Bronx, Chicago, Baltimore, try to take them as many places as we possibly can go um, for them to kind of get that experience and to see buildings are big and maybe to see the, the ocean is big. You know, they don't get to see those things, um, and it doesn't open their minds if they're only stuck on what they see at home. Um, so that's that was that's kind of what happened in 2020, um, 2021. Um, we were in talks with our local school system. We're trying to purchase one of their schools um, and uh, things were going great at first. And then everything took a turn uh, once they gave us a contract um, that stated that uh, if we were to buy that old school building, which was up for demolition, by the way, that uh, we couldn't operate a private or a charter school out of that building unless they taught the curriculum. And um, I, you know, obviously was like, that's counterproductive to what we're trying to do like we'll work with you guys and things like that but you can't tell us what we can and can't do with a building we're purchasing that makes no sense um so we got into it with them i went on fox news it was a mess and um we we just fast forwarded from there i canceled negotiations and uh, we moved forward with purchasing three small buildings um so we purchased three small buildings in the same area um for the school at the time and um, once I purchased those buildings, you know, we were just going to start from there. We was like, we're just going to start small and, you know, grow from where we are. Um, and I also had just purchased 40 acres of land back in um, May of last year as well um, for the boys outdoors training. And um, people always ask how we were able to purchase the land where we live in Albany. Uh, the cost of living is extremely low. Uh, so we could get land and houses and stuff for really, really cheap because people um, there don't have a lot of money. So they, obviously the prices of everything is extremely low. Um, but anyway, uh, so after we bought our three buildings, you know, we were going to get started working on those. And a realtor gave me a call and she said, hey, King, I have a school downtown for sale. And I'm in my mind like there are no schools downtown. What are you talking about? We don't have any schools in Albany downtown. She was like, yes, there is a school downtown. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, I live here my whole <laughs> life. There is no school downtown. And she was like, well, just come and look at it. So I came to look at it and um, it was a, a former church that had a school attached to it. Mm. And I was familiar then because she didn't say the church part. Um, so when she said this, the church with a school attached to it, I had never been inside that that building. Um, and if you go look at it, it doesn't do it justice from the outside. It's 41,000 square feet. Um, it's 25 classrooms, cafeteria, basketball gym. I went and toured it. I mean, it was amazing. But then I told her, I was like, well, we just spent all the money we raised on the other three buildings. So I was like, you kind of out of luck. I would love to buy this. This is great. This is perfect for what we want. Can't do it. She was like, no, you got to do something. Call some people, call some donors. And I was just like, look, we've been trying to buy a building for like the last year and a half. And I can't <laughs> keep doing this like over and over because people don't think I'm, you know, scamming or something like it don't make no sense. So she was like, you got to call people or something. I was like, so I called a few uh, of my donors and it was like, look, I got another building, you know, we're trying to buy. And, you know, some of them, they were supportive. They were just like, you know, we'll still help because we believe in what you're doing. Also, people don't mind donating to our cause because they actually see me all the time, you know, working with the boys. We always mm -hmm. doing something with them. Um, so a few of them, you know, donated. I dipped into my savings, my grandma, my mom. It still wasn't enough. Um, so I was, I just went out on a limb. I didn't make a video. I didn't make a, 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 you know, picture or anything. I just simply put up a post on Twitter and I said, you know, I need to raise $50,000 by Christmas. Um, and this was back in November. So we were trying to raise the money by, uh, Christmas. And the first day I put the fundraiser up and I told them, you know, I wouldn't be making any tweets. I just strictly use Twitter for fundraising all the way till December. First hour we were at like $3,000. Wow. Second hour, we were at like $5,000. Third hour, we was like $8,000. Then I'm like, whoa, like it was going so fast. And we ended up raising the whole 50K in 36 hours, like just from Amazing. people believing in us. Um, and it was only 410 people that donated to that fundraiser to to help us get that. So we ended up closing on that building next week. Now we have a full, literal full school facility, including the chapel. And what's interesting is I took my mom through um, to tour it and she told me that I went to pre-K there. And she was like, you gave a little small speech in that, in that cafeteria when you were a kid. And I was like, I didn't know that. Uh, it was so funny. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. So right now we're working on renovations um, for our school. I just did a full tour video on YouTube. So if people want to go see um, the actual school building on the inside, um, I have a full tour on, on my YouTube channel. Um, we just got the building cleaned up really good. So now we're about to get started renovating. And we have a volunteer weekend, March 18th through the 20th um, in the city of Albany for people who want to come help us paint or come help us do flooring or whatever, come donate services, you name it. Um, so we have a lot of people coming to help us uh, volunteer and fix our school because we'll be opening September of 2022. But that's still a really small idea of what I do because we do so mm -hmm. many things with them. But I just kind of want to give people an idea of who I am and what I do. Amazing, man. And how old are you now? You're 22, 23? 22. 22 22, 22. Yes, and you're running this program and you've now built your own first school which you are renovating essentially yep phenomenal absolutely. man honestly dude like you what you're doing is so incredibly inspiring now i'm curious to find out a little bit more about your background i know about the work you're doing i've been sharing and retweeting your stuff for i think probably about two years now i think you yep. first uh came on my radar and mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background and your story. So you grew up in Albany, Georgia. What was life like for you growing up? Uh, life for me was pretty normal, like a normal kid in Albany. Um, I, my mom wasn't poor, but we stayed in a little more poor neighborhood. Um, but my mom, you know, kept our house up and, you know, she made sure our house was always painted and stuff like that, no matter what the other houses looked like. But um, I was raised in a full family. Um, my stepfather um, came into my life, well, my former stepfather came into my life when I, when I was about fourth grade, I believe. Um, and everything, you know, that I know in regards to working with my hands, uh, he taught me how to do. So a lot of people always asking, you know, King, how are you able to do all these things? Like I can do a lot of things. I cut hair, I fix cars, I can do electricity, do plumbing, I can build a house, whatever. Um, but he taught me how to do all these things growing up. So um, even down to skinning animals, you know, hunting, whatever. This is he was an extremely country guy. So that's what we did. We grew all of our own food. We had fruit trees in the backyard. Um, so anything we wanted to eat, we went and picked it from outside or we killed it. Um, that's what we did. Um, and it was awesome to see, you know, all the men in the village help raise me from my grandfather to my uncles, um, to the guy who stayed behind us, who was a deacon at the church, um, to the guy across the street, he was a truck driver, to the crackhead down the road, you know, all of it. They all helped us, you know, with things. And I always mention him um, because, uh, you know, people, of course, people, you know, have their habits, maybe on drugs or whatever, but he taught us so much. Um, and if you go to that neighborhood, um, that the crackhead guy that I mentioned, um, if you go to our neighborhood, all the mail mailboxes are brick mailboxes. So he was a brick mason and he would build you a, a full brick, beautiful brick mailbox for 50 bucks, like just so he could get $50. But he taught all the boys how to do it. Um, we closed in people garages and everything like and that's something, you know, we all were able to use uh, growing up. And he maybe just died like, like two years ago, I believe. Um, but it was so many men that helped raise me and, you know, still help raise me to this day. I still have a council of elders that I reach out to in regards to decision making and things like that because I don't know everything. But um, my grandmother also helped raise me. Um, I just had a really full family um, to help me with all the things that I know and who I am. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in what was, what was the name of my school? Oh, International Studies is, was my elementary school. I went to a middle school called Robert Cross. Um, it's named after a guy. His name is Robert Cross. Uh, and I went to Westover High School. Um, I graduated from culinary school before I graduated high school. So I was in a dual enrollment program where we were able to go to college and high school at the same time. So I was able to graduate with my degree before I graduated high school. So I walked across the college stage before uh, high school and um, I became a professional chef. And um, I actually don't even use it right now because <laughs> um, I, culinary school took so much out of me because I was trying to like cram those classes. I got my degree in a year and a half. It's a two year degree and I got it in a year and a half. So me as a high school student, like cramming summer classes and cramming all those classes during the year, you know, it was insane, you know, and it literally took my love away. But I was captain of the culinary team in high school. Um, I led uh, our team to second place um, in the state. Uh, two years in a row. Uh, the first year, still upset about it. One of my teammates undercooked the shrimp because um, he was it was his <laughs> job to cook the shrimp. I was so upset, and we would have got oh, first no. place. And then um, the second year, we had uh, tornadoes tear up our hometown, um, but they didn't cancel nationals. I mean, because nationals wasn't in our hometown, so we literally had like a like a few days to prepare, and we still got second place. Um, so that was that was a you know story for us. But um, and I was the first. Uh, 
uh, African-American uh, Georgia Restaurant Association student of the year in 2016, um, got offered jobs with Coke, et cetera. But, you know, again, the culinary school just took my my love for cooking away, but I still can't get down in the kitchen. Um, then I went to the Marine Corps um, immediately after high school with my best friend. How, how many how many lives have you lived? Yeah, people say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, how, how's, this, how's this how's this dude younger than me? And he's lived like he's lived like three, four lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went to the Marine Corps, um, had a beautiful experience there. And I always say everything that I've done in my life like kind of prepared me for what I'm doing now because this has always been my purpose, you know, working with these children. I've always said it, you know, my whole life, you know, what my purpose was to do. Um, and you know, my Marine Corps background actually helps me discipline the children because um, people always ask, well, how do you get the kids to respect you and listen to you and, you know, respect and say yes, sir, and all that stuff, have manners and all that. And I'm just like, it's my Marine Corps background. They listen to everything I tell them. I don't allow them to make, you know, many mistakes, et cetera. I'm like, you're a young man. You don't get a whole lot of mistakes to make out here, you know, so you have to, you know, be accountable for what you're doing right now. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people hear some of those uh, same, you know, phrases echoed, you know, in those videos that we're posting every week uh, with the kids. Um, but, yeah, my Marine Corps background helps me a whole lot with, you know, discipline our boys um, in the how program. Long, how long were you in the Marine Corps? I did two years in the Marine Corps. Yes, okay. um, so, yeah. And uh, all of my, you know, uh, units, uh, staff sergeants, et cetera, all follow me right now. And they're just like in love with what I'm doing. And they were like Amazing. they weren't even upset that I got out because of what I'm doing. Um, they were just like, this is what you should be doing. You know, our, it says fight enemies foreign and domestic. And we have a lot of domestic enemies, you know, here trying to attack our children. Um, and so that's, it's my duty to help them defend themselves, you know, out here in these streets. Um, so it's, it's a lot, you know, that goes into just how I was raised. It's, it's so much I could get into. Um, but I definitely credit my family and even my current stepdad. Um, so of course you have the interview side of me that can, you know, give an interview and wear a shirt and tie, et cetera. That's where he comes in. Uh, I'm not sure if you know about the show, the first 48, but he's detective Hardaway on DeKalb County um, police department. Um, if anybody's watched that show, uh, but he's retired okay. now. Um, but he's taught me like just how to conduct myself in a professional manner, et cetera. Now, if you watch those videos uh, with me and the boys, you'll hear the countryside of me. That's me just talking to them <laughs> regular, you know, just talking, however, you know, to them, because that's how we talk. But of course, when I have to give an interview or something, I have to give an interview where everybody understands because I start talking country. People was like, what do you say? How did you say it? You're talking too fast. You know, it's, it's interesting. But um, yeah, I just credit my entire family, you know, with, you know, how I was raised and, you know, where I grew up in Albany. You know, I had a regular lifestyle just like every other kid did i've got jumped before been robbed before you know just, just live just a kid you know in albany um and so that's that was our lifestyle but i don't have like any major uh things that happened to me i was molested before as a kid uh by a woman so i you know sympathize with a lot of my boys who've been uh molested and stuff um i've dealt with that a lot um in regards to the boys um especially when it comes from women um more often than not boys get molested by women all the time um but what happens is you know oh you're a boy you know and you're supposed to like that like a 12 year old and a grown woman and he's just like oh you know that's it's cool i'm like no it's not cool you know that leads to a whole lot of stuff happening to you and your lifetime you know but um that happens often more often than not all the time and it's and it's not like a big deal you know to anyone like i could go talk i talked about this before like one of my boys being molested you know by a woman everybody's like oh my god it's so sad you know but if i would have said you know one of these little girls been molested by a guy they would have been trying to come to albany to figure out who it was and you know it's but that's how it goes you know so i just have to get them to understand some things are wrong um it's not everything's not cool you don't have to follow the crowd you know and, and be a leader um, but yeah, we I deal with a lot in regards to our boys from them being starved, um, getting in uh, armed robberies. I mean, uh, it's insane, you know, what we deal with and having no rehabilitative programs in the city of Albany except for ours. But we deal with it and we're making changes uh, with our boys. And I try to give as many success stories as I can with our kids and our former game members, kids being shot, et cetera. We try to help them as much as possible. Absolutely, man. Dude, there's so much there's so much to get in there. Um, tell me a little bit more about your your stepfather, or even even both of them. You know who taught you mm-hmm. all of these various skills that you're now passing on to uh, the, the you know and the next generation. How did tell me a little bit about these men because they sound like they sound like great men. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my former stepfather, um, my mama always say he's a, a great husband. Not, excuse me, a great father, but a horrible husband. She says it all the time. <laughs> she says it all the time. She loves him to death, you know, but they weren't able to make it work uh, marriage-wise. But as far as him being a father, immaculate. Um, the first day I ever met him, uh, he taught me how to uh, to plant some watermelons. I actually was the first day I met him. He used to, he's to ride motorcycles. He taught me how to ride motorcycles. And, um, he came out there in his biker jacket and, you know, he was teaching me how to, to dig up the, uh, the, the grass and stuff to plant my watermelons. And uh, that was my first day I met him. And then when he moved in and they got married, um, he taught me how to build a shed in the backyard, like everything we had in our backyard, as far as working wise and our dog houses or whatever, rabbit pens, chicken pens, we built it all like with our hands. Um, We built our sheds, we put roofing on it. We ran electricity from the house all the way to the sheds. We ran plumbing from the house all the way to the sheds, like literally underground. We bought pipes and everything and we did it all ourselves. Um, We built all of our dog houses. We made all of our own dog food. Uh, We had rabbits, we had turtles. We used to have pet squirrels. We caught raccoons, possums, everything. Uh, we used to go fishing all the time. I know how to skin animals. I can skin fishes. I can. It's literally a wide array of things that I was taught how to do growing up. We grew everything in the backyard. We had peach trees, tangerine trees, lemon trees. Um, we had plum trees, fig trees, like banana trees. We grew bananas in the backyard and everything. Like that's, that's what we did. Um, and you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand, well, appreciate all the things that I was being taught until I got older and realized so many kids couldn't do these things. I'm like, y'all don't know how to do this. You don't know how to do that. You know, but it's interesting. I mean, we built grills, like all the grills we use in the backyard, we would like, um, he would get these like big gas tanks, like from a truck or something like that. And what we do, we cut it open um, and, and, you know, light it on fire on the inside to kind of kill everything in there. But then we'd weld like hinges on it and weld the door knobs and all that stuff on it. Like he taught me how to weld and everything like at like 11 years old. So I was outside wow. welding uh, grills together. We build grills for other people. They would buy them, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, it was an amazing experience. He taught me how to paint cars. Um, he used to work on the Marine base. So he used to paint like the Humvees and things like that. Um, so we painted cars in the backyard. We built this, this big old little thing where we could paint cars on the inside of. Uh, I mean, it's so many things he taught. I could kind of just remember like as I'm thinking about it, all the things we, we learned how to do. Uh, he and my mom uh, officially divorced when I was about 14 or 15, I believe. And then I met my current stepfather. Um, awesome, awesome man. Um, you know, he doesn't know how to do all those handyman things. I, I'm the one that actually that kind of does all that. <laughs> but um, like he doesn't know how to do any handyman stuff, but he's good with corporate stuff. He's good with studying. He's good with paperwork and all that stuff. So and he's good with giving interviews and wearing a shirt and tie, et cetera. So I get that side from him. Um, and I'm just grateful for that little village, I call it, because I was able to get the best of both worlds. So I can take my suit off and go put on my cowboy hat and my cowboy boots and go do my thing in the field but then if i need to go take that off and go do something in the corporate world i can um and that's what i'm grateful for but my current stepfather he's a former um police officer in the city of atlanta he just retired last year um from the police force he was a detective um homicide detective and he also worked with the fbi as well um so he has a long history with them um it was over uh, 20 years i believe he worked with the police force um, and, and he retired. Um, so right now he and my mom, um, my mom's an interior designer. So he kind of helps her with, you know, some of her stuff that she does to kind of help her with her business. But uh, he's an awesome man. Um, I mean, they're, they're both great, you know, to me. Um, grandfather, the same way. He taught me how to ride a bike. Uncle, same way. Um, so those men that helped raise me, I, could, I couldn't ask for anything better. And now I'm able to transfer all those skills to all of these young men and boys that I'm teaching now. So I'm just really grateful for the both of them and, and how they helped raise me. It's amazing, man. I mean, one of the most obvious running themes here is the power of having great male role models and role models in general, the power right. of the family. You've referred to a village multiple times. Mm-hmm. So having a community of people who are older, wiser, more knowledgeable, who can pass down skills. And right. I think it's amazing that, number one, you've had that and taken it on board, but then you're being proactive and you are now offering this to a group of young men who would not have it otherwise. I'm sure right. you've had people coming to you from all kinds of 
directions or directionless who are coming into your program, the X for Boys, and you're able to take them from a negative situation and mm -hmm. perhaps a bad trajectory where they could end up getting into all kinds of trouble in the future and you're helping to course correct and put them on this positive path. And what really struck me with what you do, I can't remember the first video of yours that I saw, but I remember my, my mind was just, my mind was just blown. I was in the UK and I was just like, man, who's this, who's this guy out there? Because he's putting into practice. He's really putting into practice what a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of people talk, you know, especially on the more conservative side of the spectrum, people are constantly talking about, you know, the importance of male role models and fathers right. and you know, the dangers of absent fathers and how more uh, independent work needs to be put into the community. And people shouldn't just rely on the government. People need to lean on communities, all of this stuff. And yeah, sure, people do help in various ways. But the way you were doing it, and especially I was like, yo, at such a young age as well, like this guy is he's doing it. He's not there waiting for something. He's just like, yo, I'm going to go and I, I'm not aware of anyone else. I'm, I'm not saying this to gas you up. I'm not aware of anyone else. You're in their twenties who is doing, who's doing what you're doing. I mean, you're doing work that people normally, I don't know, maybe they retire and they've, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then they've kind of got the time and the money and the knowledge. And then they're like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'll start a school. I mean, who starts yeah. a school? Nobody, nobody, nobody starts a school, you know? Yeah, um, I think um, for the most so part. Yeah, I think for the most part, um, I, I believe in working now and playing later because I know a lot of people, you know, <laughs> want to play now, you know, at this age yeah. and, you know, go to the club and all that stuff like that mm -hmm. right now. And then later on, try to work. You know, I'm just like, that don't make no sense. I'm like, well, my back start hurting. That's when I want to chill <laughs> and relax. You know, I'm like, let me work now. So and I have my own children, you know, I have two boys and, you know, mm -hmm. I want my boys to I don't ever want them to go to public schools. So I'm like, well, let me build a school for them so they don't have to go to school. <laughs> you know, they can go to my school. But in uh, and, and, and with that, I'm also helping other young boys and you know, just some of the stories like that have come through the program and success stories that have happened. I mean, it just blows my mind because of uh, the impact I'm able to have on the children and how they look up to me, how they hate to disappoint me, how they hate to make me upset, you know, um, and, and me being young, too. Like, I mean, I was a teenager trying to teach other teenagers, you know, how to to, to build their lives. Um, but they have to see possible. And, and I was there possible, you know, um, for them to see another young black man that's successful, you know, where they in a city where you never really see that all the time, everybody successful is maybe much older and never come to see you. So they get to see somebody young and black and, you know, out in the community and helping people. And I teach them how to help people, you know, it's, it's awesome. Um, just all the success stories, man. Um, and I've shared some of them online on my, my pages and things like that. But, um, I, I think, uh, for the most part, again, kids just need to see possible. And I started it so young and, I'm able to capture so many of them because of that, you know, um, a lot of them are not far off from me in age, but they still listen and still respect me as if I was 35 or 40. Um, but I tell, you know, some of the older guys all the time, I'm just like, well, you guys just kind of come tell them what to do all the time. I show them what they can do and give them different options. Um, and I also try to expose them to so much because they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're interested in. So a lot of them I've taught them. I mean, they've built computers, um, we we do all these different workshops and stuff because they don't know what they're interested in. Like all they know is maybe rapping and uh, playing ball. But if I show you like six different uh, trades you can get into or let you talk to some different lawyers or doctors or whatever, you don't even know that you're interested in those things until you get exposed to it. Um, so that's uh, exposure is a big piece um, for them because a lot of them have opened their minds just from off of seeing the things that I've showed them. And then also trying to cultivate, you know, um, their minds in regards to what they already want to do. Like one of my boys, um, he's really good at speed skating. He's the best speed skater in the city, but he was having mm -hmm. trouble because his mom couldn't pay for his skates and he couldn't, he didn't have enough money to take care of his uh, skating fees. So, you know, we took care of that for him. I'm just like, look, you're going to go to the Olympics. Like we just being real, like he's extremely fast. It's best I've ever seen in my life, but he's only 15 years old. He's, you know, tall and he beats everybody in the city. And we have an Olympic athlete speed skater that comes from the city of Albany. He's faster than him. 
you know, mm. at 15 years old. Um, so I'm just like, you know, mama, I'm like, look, you know, I can, I know you got him in band and stuff like that, but that ain't going to send him, you know, where he can go with this speed skating. You need to put him in this every day when he's, cause that's what he wants to do. He gets in yeah. trouble often, you know, because of being in the wrong crowd and stuff. But I'm like, mama, if you put him here where he, this is what he wants to do. Like he loves this. This is where he's in his element. Put him here so he can go, you know, be successful. Um, so that's a lot of the boys I try to make sure I'm cultivating what they actually want to do. Like my kids who want to do anime and all that stuff. I try to, you know, help them out. I got kids who want to do YouTube channels. So we get them podcasting equipment and get them little videos and show them how to do this and show them how to do that. So they can be successful. And I got one kid, he wants to be a WWE wrestler. So I got I got like two wrestlers coming in. We're taking them to AEW and uh, we're taking them to WWE. Like, but we have to do that for them so they can see like, no, this stuff is really possible out here like mm-hmm. go do it if, if that's mm-hmm. what you want to do we're gonna make it happen if i got a kid that say he want to fly planes i'm gonna find the first aviator i can to get him on a flight simulator and let's go flying you know like that's what we want to do um so and it's not hard it's just people have to want to do it and this allows me to give nobody any more excuses as to what can and can't be done. I started this program with nothing. I was mm. cutting hair and painting people's houses to support the program and we were still making it happen. So for me at 22, I don't allow anybody that's 40, 30 years old and living, it got a nice life and successful career to tell me what can't be done with children. I mean, we're literally mm. doing it. Um, so I don't, I don't even let anybody give me any excuses anymore because I didn't have any and I still don't have any. I mean, we've been battling with the school system. We've battled with, you know, people in the city. People have lied on me in newspapers and everything, you know, just because they don't like what we're doing and we're still making it happen. So I don't allow anybody to make any excuses. Mm-hmm. If they have any excuses, they just truly don't care and don't truly wish to put their their full force behind what they're, they say they want to happen. So mm, real talk right there, bro. What was the point that made you decide to create the X for Boys? At what point did you go, okay, I want to I wanna do this thing? Yeah, um, so there was a um, – I, I mentioned a friend of mine um, that went to jail for 30 years um, for hiding a weapon. There was a murder that happened in the city of Albany. Um, they were all juvenile children. Um, they were 15 and under who committed this murder. They called a, a piece of delivery guy um, to an abandoned address, and they killed him when he got there. Um, and I remember, um, we had like five or six stop the violence meetings and every time something happens in Albany, everybody wants to have, we need to come together and everybody comes there and intellectually masturbates and says what needs to happen and then nothing. Um, and so I would be in these meetings and I would offer different solutions about what we could do to help our children. And everybody's like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. And then nothing ever happened. Um, and I remember vividly, um, I was driving a forklift at the time. Uh, um, I was, that was my job. I was driving a forklift in the military. And um, I came and I was like, man, I need to start a program for youth. I'm just like, these these other programs out here are not just really doing any real consistent work. Um, to me, it seems like easy access to single moms for these guys who call themselves got these little mentoring programs. And I'm just like, these programs is not doing anything consistent with these kids. I'm just like, speaking at a school is not going to fix a kid. You know, I'm just like, that's 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 not it. You know, that, that they're not going to remember that. And I'm just like, you just telling them what to do and what not to do. And just like everybody else does. I'm like, they need some real consistent they need somebody they can see every day. They need somebody that can talk to them whenever they need to. They need my number. They need to be able to hit me on Instagram, whatever. You know, they need to be able to have real conversations. Like, I just thought about this. And I was like, I can teach them all these different skill trades. So the first thing I did um, was on January 19, 2019, I took 20 boys from the city of Albany to the Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, African-American History Museum. Um, and to take those boys there and to hear the questions that they were asking and to to see the the, the energy, those kids didn't want to be in their conditions. I, that's, that's when I discovered that they just needed some consistency, love and structure. As much as I discipline the kids, they love me to death. You know, I'm just like they love that somebody loves them enough to discipline them um, all the time, no matter what they do wrong. Um, and they love to come around. They keep asking all the time. Hey, when are we coming back? What are we doing? You know, I got one of my kids just text me earlier. Hey, Miss King, you OK? Everything good? You know, when you come back to Albany, you know, like they, they're excited. <laughs> you know, they, they're happy about it. Um, and that's what I love. But um, a lot of the children, um, they needed the consistency. And that's what I saw immediately after that. April 20th, 2019, I did an oil change workshop at my uncle's house. Um, I taught 20 boys how to change oil, got them all certificates and everything for learning how to change oil on a car. 
And what was interesting to me was, you know, one of the moms called and she was like, you know, King, she was like, I'm, he's so happy about this. He wanted to put the certificate on the wall and things like that. And I discovered at that time, a lot of kids, you know, who are not athletically inclined and not academically inclined start feeling like they're worthless because they don't know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So for him to learn how to change oil or change brakes, it put a new confidence in him because I can do something like mama. Look, I don't, I, don't, I can't play ball. I may not got the best grades, but I can change the oil on your car. And that's something for mm-hmm. mom to be proud of, you know, and I, moms were sending me pictures of their boys, you know, under the car at home, you know, with, a, with another adult trying to change oil. and stuff. I mean, it was amazing to see like just what that little thing, you know, created a little ripple effect. Uh, even when I taught, I had did a little workshop and taught some boys how to make omelets just just because like I taught them how to make some <laughs> omelets. And um, it was in my kitchen at my house. And, um, you know, I had all of them in the kitchen and just showing them how to make omelets. And then to hear the stories from mom was like, he came home and he made everybody in the house an omelet. Like, it was <laughs> beautiful stuff. Um, beautiful stuff. I mean, I can't uh, I can't even express like just the joy I felt like yeah. these boys, like these little things for them to be confident in themselves. Mm. And so now, you know, even, you know, discovering that they when they couldn't read, um, mm. like doing the book club and, you know, we have an 86% reading comprehension right now. Like a lot of the boys coming into the program are actually learning and comprehending and one of my yeah. boys you know he was struggling two years ago but he just won a spelling bee at his school you know and i posted about it on social media because those are milestones you know for these kids these kids can't read and write and all mm. that and they're developing uh, so it was, it's just a beautiful experience uh to see um but yeah just the, the consistency you know i saw what they needed um after working with them and as the years go by, I see more and more things, you know, I'm discovering more and more. So you're talking about 15 years from now after doing this, you know, I'll be like super wise and in, in figuring out what the boys need in particular and then growing with them, too. And a lot of them, you know, they try to pull things on me. I'm like, dude, I just graduated high school, bro. Like you cannot pull that over on me. I just did that. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> you know, I just did that like a few years ago. You cannot pull that over on me. I know all that little tricks and everything, you know, so yeah. um, it's, it's just uh, interesting interesting experience and even you know me having real conversations with them i don't chastise them about sex and drugs and all that i know some of you gonna smoke weed i know y'all gonna be out here having sex but what i can do is give you the the proper tools and the proper keys to 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 figure out that that's not the right thing to do i can tell you a hundred times you better not be out there having sex or i could provide you with condoms and make sure you're out there having safe sex because you're gonna do it anyway i mean i'd rather prevent a teen pregnancy and a std versus you just out here doing it anyway so i'm like look i don't approve of y'all doing it you're shouldn't be doing it but i know you're gonna do it anyway so get these you know you need to take care of yourself you need to at least be safe um even with them you know and 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 drugs always tell them stop do not be out here smoking weed do not be out here drinking lean and all that stuff but i know some of the kids who are new and i haven't fortified their minds real good enough sure i can tell them that everybody tells them that but what i can do is try to develop myself to be the biggest influence in their lives to the point where they Mm want to stop that um and that's what happens with some of the gang members that come into the program like they'll eventually get out the games it takes time you know and Mm -hmm. i tell parents all the time it's not a one-stop shop or even people who hear about the program they think like the kid's just gonna come one day and he's gonna change tomorrow no it took 15 years for this kid to get like this it took him 17 Mm -hmm. years to get like this it's gonna take some time for me to really just break into you know his mind and try and help you know mold him and, and fix him and train him um so it, it takes a little while it takes some consistency and and just dealing with so many children at one time all their different personalities all their moms um it's, it's a it's a uh it's a fun thing you know it can get yeah. a little overwhelming um even with like this past summer i actually i boarded 36 of them this past summer they were all at my grandmother's house um for two months uh so it was probably the most interesting experience ever it was like the most (laughs) greatest most terrible most beautiful most aggravating (laughs) annoying amazing experience ever talking about 36 boys in one house i mean the fights the fun the everything it was it was great it was like a big family and we enjoyed it so much it's like a little boarding Um, school yeah, it was awesome. But that's what our school will be. It'll be a boarding school um, when we open this September. So we were super excited about that. That's awesome, man. You know, there's something that you you spoke about there, which brought an interesting thought into my mind, which isn't really something I've thought about that much or even discussed. And this was about the topic of confidence. And mm-hmm. I'm really thinking as a, as a man, as a boy and as a man, especially women too, but I think especially as a young man, confidence comes from capability. Mm -hmm. So if you want to instill confidence in people long term, the best way to do it is to make them capable and make them competent. 
whether that's learning to make an omelet or change oil or learn yep. this skill or that skill. As you said, why are why are people who are great at sports often very confident? People who are very good in school, they're confident because they're capable. You are right. confident in the things that you are capable at. Right. right. There's things I'm sure you ha you have very high confidence. There's things that I'll be more confident in than you are. And there'll be plenty of things that you're more confident in than I am. And that's yep. actually based on your capability because you're walking into it going, OK, I know how to handle this situation. I right. know how to do this thing. I've done it before. I've got the experience. So the more experience you build in people, the more capable you make them, the more competent you make these boys. Right. They're going to become more confident. And if you think of so many problems, especially problems with young men mm -hmm. at the root, they stem from a lack of confidence. Absolutely. Lack of confidence often comes from a lack of capability. So they are there feeling like lesser than or they're mad at the world or they're mm -hmm. feeling envious and jealous of other people who have things they don't or are doing things they don't. And it's because they feel like they themselves don't have that 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 competence and that makes them feel insecure yep. and oftentimes that manifests in weird ways that can manifest in okay i don't have this confidence so i'm gonna go and i'm gonna get involved in the drug game i'm gonna get involved in crime mm -hmm. i'm gonna go join this gang because that's gonna make me feel that's gonna make me feel like like i'm i'm confident it's it's almost overcompensating but when you give them these mm -hmm. tools and you train them in these skills people like that are far less likely to go overcompensate in some other way because they have that strong inner confidence. And it's interesting, as I explain it, it feels like, yeah, that's kind of obvious, but not a lot of people, I don't think, draw that link mm -hmm. between being capable mm -hmm. and being confident. I think confidence these days is often thought about something that someone can just you know, give you a riveting speech and you just hear something and it makes yep. you feel... It makes you feel mm -hmm. confident. Maybe it temporarily motivates you, but right. unless you actually become a capable individual, you don't have true confidence. You're just in that kind of fake it till you make it kind of mm -hmm. kind of vibe. And you know, maybe even even if you look at the things people do, man, I'm really thinking about this actually. Like the other day, I was at a I was at a club, mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, you got guys in there spending all this money popping bottles, and they bring it out with a sparkler, and right. there's this big show, and you know, people are. They got their their Gucci belt, or they're they're wearing some expensive. Hat. Why are people doing that? Like, if you're truly truly confident, you don't need to be buying buying nope. overpriced bottles or wearing some nope. you know fancy design. You know, hey, check out look at the designer brand on my hat or on my shirt or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it's like again, it's that overcompensation, and oftentimes, you know, I, I I've I've met people who who do some of that stuff. And yeah, sometimes they are truly confident, but oftentimes they're not. They're not that confident. They also don't necessarily have the wealth to be doing that, but mm -hmm. they're trying to create this image. And I feel like if they were truly capable, confident, and competent, they wouldn't feel the need necessarily to stunt so much. Right. Um, I think um, if people notice, like a lot of our boys – um, are really timid and quiet and soft and, you know, don't want to stand up straight or hold their head up, you know, when they're speaking to people, et cetera, all that stems from a lack of that. Um, and I think, um, people notice like on my videos and stuff, if you hear the boys, they're always loud, always, you know, screaming, yes, sir, et cetera. They get in trouble for not talking loud. I do that because they have an issue with that. Um, a lot of them, you know, holding their head down, yeah, my name is whatever. And you can't even, you know, hear what they're saying and stuff, you know, like they are scared to shake your hand, you know, all this little timid stuff that they do. So everything that we do revolves around confidence, you know, and being confident in yourself and who you are. So we're reading the Invictus poem right now. And, you know, these consistent things we're doing every week, as well as teaching them how to do all these different things, uh, builds their confidence. So a lot of these boys, you know, are out in the streets, etc. they get confidence from knowing how to play with a gun. They get confidence, you know, in knowing how to sell drugs or they get confidence mm -hmm. in, in knowing how to rob somebody or rob a store without getting caught. So Be because feel, it's a, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a good competency, but it's right, a competency. But they feel, yeah. They feel confident. They, they're, they're able, that's, that's what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. So I have to give them different things that, that they're capable of. Most boys are going to emulate whatever man that they're around, whether that be a good man or a bad man. So if that happened to be the drug dealer on the street with the nice cars and the shoes and they don't have none of that, 
they're going to go get capable in that because they're trying to figure out how can I be capable of getting those things? Um, and because that's what looks cool. And or even, you know, um, I don't like how sometimes, you know, doctors and lawyers and stuff, they don't come back to their neighborhoods. I can't get mad at those kids, you know, for liking the rappers and the football players and stuff, because those people come back to the hood. You know, the rappers will come back to the hood and, you know, go talk to the kids and maybe give away some turkeys or whatever like that. Rappers still come back to their hood. I got we got rappers come back to our hood all the time. But then they want to be like that, you know, even though, you know, they're coming back, giving back to the hood. They still rapping about these lifestyles. And I have kids like kids like this rapper named NBA Youngboy. These kids will fight about this man. Like they will fight about NBA Youngboy. They love that man that much. Like they don't even know him. They they will fight you about NBA Youngboy. They'll fight you about this boy named King Von. They'll fight about all these rappers. Like they are so serious about it because of what they rap. And I be telling them all the time, like most of these rappers aren't living the lifestyles that they rapping to y'all about. You know, I'm like, you want to try to get your way out of that lifestyle. So, but again, that's all in being the biggest influence in their lives. But until you know, men start being the biggest influence, or some of those doctors or lawyers or whoever go to these different communities and start, you know, mentoring these kids. Um, I always tell every everybody every time I come on the show, and I think every guy, you know, every man should be responsible for at least one child that's not his, at least one. I mean, I think we can make a, a big step forward with that. There are so many men who don't have children. I'm just like, well, what if you just go got one kid, you know, you know, out of your neighborhood or whatever in a more impoverished area and take them to school every day, go pick them up, you know, go take them to get something to eat, talk to them every day, go take them to band practice, whatever, like just whatever your schedule allows you to do with that one child, you know, and things could, could move further if every man did that. And if you're able to do two boys, you know, do that, you know, like, I'm just like, do something. We could do something. It doesn't have to be just nothing, you know, find a mom, develop a, a nice relationship with that mom and, and, and ask her, can you mentor her child? And, and just, just again, try to do something. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. You don't have to teach them how to change brakes and oil. You don't have to start a school, you know, you can do something. Um, and then that's what I believe in. Um, a lot of our boys will develop that confidence if they just see possible. Cause if I take a picture, you know, of everybody in the room, the first thing you're going to do when you look at that picture is look for yourself. And if you don't see yourself in the picture, you you're not going to be confident about it. You know, so and I think that's that's extremely important. They just need to see themselves in the picture. Let's let's show them, you know, what they can be and, and let's give them some different capabilities, which is why we try to expose them to so many different things, have so many people come in and teach them. Uh, coming up with new ideas all the time, trying to figure out what can we do for the boys next? How can we develop their confidence more? Um, and that's what develops that man. That's how you walk standing up straight. That's how you stop playing in your hair and, and walking, you know, like all limp and all that stuff or smiling. Our boys have the biggest issue with smiling. Like they get angry if you tell them to smile. I'm like, what is up with y'all and smiling? Like smile. Like I, I, they get in trouble for that too. I'm like, they be having a great time. We'll be at an amusement park or something. Time to take a picture. I'm just mm. like, Son, like you, smile, I, like it's okay. I, you know, you know what I think it is. I'm, I'm no psychologist, but I think it's maybe they've been led to believe, or the environments they've grown up in, mm -hmm. they've been led to think it's a, it's a sign of, a sign of weakness. Exactly, because all the guys in the neighborhoods are are mean mugging all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you smile, mm -hmm. then what you looking at? What you smiling about? You know, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I know, I know exactly how that goes. I'm just like, no, smiling will get you a whole lot of places. I promise you, it will. You know, smiling at people, giving the proper greeting of the day, speaking to everybody you see, they get in trouble for that too. If you see somebody walk past you and you don't get a proper greeting of the day, you got to give me ten. You know, I'm just like, give the proper <laughs> greeting of the day. Speak to people. Like I've literally had a few uh, like different things happen to me because I spoke to somebody who I didn't know was like an important person, mm. you know, and just started a conversation like that or just simply giving the proper greeting of the day with a smile, you know, and you keep moving. Um, so those those little things like that could help you move so far. But again, it's all in helping them develop habits. So they have those different habits of, you know, working with, um, you know, working with their hands and, and you know, giving the proper greeting of the day, saying yes, sir, no, sir, um, you know, and doing everything in unison and as a team because they have an issue with that too, being selfish. So I make mm. them all work together. One of my favorite phrases, I told them all the time is you have to be accountable for each other. So I always say, if I got weed, we all got weed. And when I say that, it's because if we, if I'm in a, if I'm in a car and I got weed, everybody in the car got weed. We all go into jail, you know. So it's all about being accountable <laughs> for each other, you know. Yeah, I tell them yeah. that all the time. So every time I say that, they always echo me and they think it's the funniest thing ever. But they know exactly what I mean. Be accountable for each other. So I have this new exercise that I'm about to do with them to help them be accountable for each other. So I have about 40 boys in the program. We're going to buy them all wallets and we're going to put $100 bills in all their wallets. Um, for one, um, it's to teach them how to have some money in their pocket to, to begin with, first of all. But also this wallet can't get less than $50. 
if your wallet get less than $50, everybody gets their money taken. Everybody's money. I don't care what's in their wallet. Everybody's money is going bye-bye. Um, the reason I'm going to do that is, for one, you're going to have to check with each other every week about who got their money. Like, bro, you got your $50 in your wallet because you ain't going to get my money taken. So what they're going to have to do is sacrifice. I, well, I only got $48. Well, she's going to have to sacrifice two of his dollars to make sure he don't lose his whole 40 But it's going to force them to be accountable for each other, you know? So, of course, they probably ain't going to last like but a week or two. And then over time, they'll start lasting longer because you got to take care of each other. Y'all got to text each other. Y'all got to make sure y'all on point. But that creates a, a, a environment and an atmosphere for y'all to make sure each other are okay. Like, bro, you good? You need anything? Everything okay on your end? Do I need to help you? You know, et cetera. That's, that's how you build a real brotherhood. Y'all have to work together to make success happen. So, of course, if they all succeed, you know, for like maybe a month or so, then we'll all put their money together and go buy something big for everybody to play with. You know, like, it'll be something cool. Um, but and of course it gives them some spending money too like I mean they'll have $50 to spend and $50 to keep um, I don't care how you keep that $50 you can go make some money and get that $50 back do what you need to do but when you come back on Tuesday you better have $50 at least in that wallet so $50 or more um, but I think that's going to be a cool little exercise for them it's going to be really good that's awesome man what's been the biggest challenge you faced in this mission so far um, probably that our battle with the local school system. Um, that was probably the biggest battle I, I, I had in regards to us buying a school because we were in talks with them for about seven months um, trying to purchase that school and it was up for demolition. And, um, you know, just the emailing and, you know, calling back and forth, you know, trying to get somebody on the phone and, you know, trying to get them to answer emails and, and give me a contract. And like they drug it all the way to the last second to, almost forced us to sign the contract because what happened was we were supposed to be doing our summer camp out of the school and they literally took it all the way to almost like the last day for us to do signups for summer camp, almost to force us into it. And I was like, I want, I'm not going to do that. We'll stay at a hotel, you know, if, if we need to uh, for the, the boarding camp um, because I do boarding every summer. Um, so I was just like, we'll just try and do something. But the, the, it was insane. Um, just that contract that we received back, it was like six special stipulations in it. And like I said, the main one was that we can't operate a private or a charter school out of that building unless they teach the curriculum. And I'm just like, that don't make no sense. I'm like, that makes no sense. Why do I have to be a part of y'all to, what, to what was there? What was their supposed justification for that? I don't even like they, they did a full like article or whatever. They were just like, well, um, King Randall never presented um, uh, academic curriculum. He expressed, you know, interest in doing the skill trades. I'm like, I, so I did a video and went through every email. I'm like, you guys never asked me for a curriculum. I'm like, if y'all to asked me for a curriculum, I could have provided one. Everything that y'all asked me for, I provided the next day, every time, everything y'all asked me to get an inspection on the building, which I spent $5,000 of my personal money, getting an inspection on the, the full location to see everything that was wrong with it. Um, I literally did everything, you know, in regards to what they asked me for, um, for that location. And, um, you know, they released a really terrible article in the newspaper. Then people in my hometown were chastising me for no reason. Like, cause I told you people like in the hometown don't really like support what you're doing. Pastors were upset and they were like, I had a pastor meet with me and tell me to sit down and I'm doing too much. And I act like I'm the only person doing work and blah, 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 blah. You know, like it was insane. Um, just the pushback I got from my local community. Where, where, where do you think that stems from? Because um, it, it, I, I find it interesting because I see what you're doing and I'm just like, man, this is so positive, so inspiring, so mm -hmm. necessary. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm an outsider. Maybe, maybe an outsider is more likely to view it that way. But I don't see how someone, let alone a pastor, could see what you're doing and want to chastise you or reprimand you or anything like that. W what do you think that stems from? So we have a, a clique in the city of Albany. Um, they have kingmakers. Um, that's what I call it. Um, people who put people where they need to be. So like our school superintendent, they were so adamant about defending him because he's somebody that they placed in the position. Like all these different positions, like we had this little clique, including pastors and politicians. They all got this little clique. Once they saw that my reach was above them, that I didn't need them to make me, that became an issue for them. So they had people like doing all types of smears on me in my local hometown. I mean, it was insane. They were making up stuff. Uh, 
about my personal life and everything. And like people were making all types of posts in my local communities. And I need to give the money back and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what are you guys? I'm like, are we looking at the same contract? Cause I'm like, what part of this was I supposed to sign? I'm like, that don't make no sense. They were like, are you trying to get a, a black man fired from his job? And he working with those white people and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this has nothing to do with them. I'm like, what part of this contract was I supposed to sign? I'm like, I put the contract up for everybody to look at, you know, and they just drugged me from here to kingdom come, man. It was insane for like three weeks. Um, and I was never able to tell my side of the story. My local news, um, won't do stories on me anymore. Like I don't get, I don't like every story you see of me now is like from somebody somewhere else, but nobody in my local hometown would do stories with me anymore. None of the local reporters want to do stories with me anymore. Like it's insane. So I just work, you know, with the national press I'm able to get, you know, um, from everybody else. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but I don't, you know, force the hometown to accept, you know, or support. Um, because even when I first started, like I was literally running out of my house and nobody wanted to, to help. Like I was posting on social media, Facebook for my local community and nobody, everybody was like, Oh, that looks cool. But nobody ever really helped us with anything. I was still running on my own. So as soon as I'm able to get some help from elsewhere, then, Oh, you got to be in bed with the white man and the white man is doing this. And you turn into a house Negro, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm not even a politician. I'm just, I just work with kids. Like, I can't tell somebody they can't help because they white. Like that don't make no sense. I'm like stop being weird. Yeah, but <laughs> stop, stop being weird. I've been saying that a lot. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop being, being weird. weird. I say that all the time. My boys yeah. think that's the funniest thing. I say they always mimic <laughs> me all the time. I'm just like, bro, stop being weird. You know, and yeah. they just laugh. But yeah, it is you know, it is. something that's crazy, and I, I see this across all different, all different areas and sectors, which is that sometimes people who are oftentimes people who are further away mm-hmm. and, and and more detached and that you don't know oftentimes will support you more than people who you may think are close, whether that's relationally or geographically. And you'll find people, oftentimes those close to you and those around you will not embrace you until you've reached such a level of success and mm-hmm. acclaim with people who are outside and and foreign and far away, and right. then they suddenly start appreciating you more. I mean, I, to be honest, I felt this even with what I do. I mean, I feel that when people in the USA started really embracing me more, um, all of a sudden I start getting you know still not enough, but I, I start getting more love. I, I'm from the UK. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I always felt overlooked in the UK. Like I'm doing all these things. I'm putting in all this work. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And it always kind of felt like, uh, you know, if things people still kind of keeping things at arm's length. And then suddenly a lot of media figures in, in the USA, whether you're talking you know, Joe Rogan or Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. or this person or that side, were like, yo, the Zuby guy's great. Like this guy's awesome. Look at what he's yeah. doing. And I started mm-hmm. getting way more attention there. Then suddenly I'm seeing people more kind of locally or in the UK. Oh, okay. Maybe we should start like, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, I, and maybe, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And I will say, um, you know, some of my local community, like people who aren't like in that type of arena, they love what I do. They support me from the hometown. Like even when I go out public places and stuff, you know, people always, Oh, Hey King, what's going on? You know, love what you're doing, et cetera. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, those people who I've known for the longest, who actually have my number, et cetera, they cannot stand me now for no reason. I'm just like, I didn't do nothing to y'all. All I asked for was support. I don't talk about anybody, nothing. And that's what I get. But, you know, like I said, I don't, I, I just let them do their thing. Let them talk whatever trash they want to talk. And we keep doing work. They cannot compete with the result. They cannot compete with the content. We're always working with our kids. We're always doing stuff with them. We're constantly showing people what we're doing and people are going to keep, you know, taking care of us as long as we're taking care of our boys. I mean, that's what I believe in, man. Um, just continuing to work for my kids. And uh, that's, that's all I can do is just, continue working. I always tell the boys, you know, people going to talk their trash, you know, you must not be doing nothing good if people ain't talking trash. Um, So, but people, you know, from, you know, bigger, uh, bigger platforms have been noticing. Um, I think one of the bigger platforms I went on was Valuetainment with Patrick Beck David. Um, You know, yeah, I love him. Um, He loves me and what I'm doing. I I was ecstatic to go on his show because he interviewed Kobe and and the Mafia and all those guys. And so for him to reach out, I was like, hey, I want to interview you. That was nuts to me. I was like, yes, I'm coming. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm there. Oh, but dude, um, there's, no there's so much more to come to and so much yeah, more is going to come. I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely I'm genuinely excited about what you're doing and I'm excited about your own personal future. That's not not something I say all that often, but I'm just like, yo, 
this guy is gonna uh, this this he's already making an impact on the world but like keep an eye on this dude man yeah i'm, I'm excited about uh what's to come in the future people have been tagging joe rogan and tagging all yeah. these other bigger podcasts it'll, happen, bro. it'll come Yep. So I'm, I'm excited okay. about it, but we're going to keep on working with our children regardless. And uh, we're going to keep making it happen. Amazing, man, bro. What's the best place for people to go to find out more about what you're doing and to follow you online? Absolutely. You can go to the X for That's T H E the letter X F O R B O Y S dot org. You can follow us on our social media pages at new emerging King or at the X for boys. Um, our social media and our website will include everything you need to know in regards to pictures gallery for all the stuff we've done, how to donate, um, how to donate services, how to donate supplies, whatever um, um, is on the X for boys.org. Um, and also on that website, you can see how to contact us. If you have any questions, um, if you want your child to come, to come to our school or anything in August, I mean, excuse me, in September, um, that'd be cool too, as well for you to reach out to, us um, because we will be taking students um, from over the, all over the country um, to come to our school. So we're excited about that. But you can reach me at the xforboys.org. Um, that's our website. And also for our volunteer weekend, uh, March 18th through the 20th, if anybody wants to come and help us with anything as far as supply donations um, or just volunteering time and labor, that would be awesome um, because we have a lot of work to do uh, by September. So we're extremely excited about that. Awesome. King Randall, so good to get you on the podcast, man. Love what you're doing, bro, and keep it up. All right. Thanks so much, Zuby. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.